from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik. I'm thrilled to be with you again this morning, talking Giants baseball every single weekday in episodes that are approximately 15 minutes in length. And on this show, we provide data-driven, modern, insightful Giants analysis in a way that's easy for everyone to understand. And so for today's episode, we were all ready to publish an episode and make some final edits and publish an episode about last night's 4-2 to win over the Dodgers. And then right as I'm getting ready to do that, this news breaks that the Giants traded for Kevin Pillar in exchange for Alan Hansen, Derek Law, and a minor league pitcher they acquired in the Andrew McCutcheon deal with the Yankees last season. So first, we're going to talk about the trade. And then in the second segment, we're going to talk about last night's game and some of the bigger implications there. But I just want to remind everyone that to subscribe to Locked on Giants Baseball, you can download the Himalaya podcast app or listen on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also get in your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Giants Baseball. So obviously the big news of the day is the acquisition of Kevin Pillar, who is an outfielder who has spent, I believe, his entire career with the Toronto Blue Jays. He was a human highlight reel defensively for a long time. He's made some of the better outfield catches that I've ever seen, and I highly recommend like going on YouTube and watching some Kevin Pillar defensive highlights. But there's a strong case to be made that he's no longer that guy defensively, and Even in terms of his sprint speed, there's a case to be made that he's no longer elite in that regard as well. So it's not entirely clear who the Giants are getting here, but it seems clear that he's at least still a very good base runner, a capable defensive center fielder, which probably would play up on the corners. And he also has a history of posting double digit home run totals and stolen base totals with also a history of not getting thrown out a lot. And that is a big deal. In today's game, the math shows that you essentially have to make it on a steal attempt 75% of the time or more. Otherwise, it's not even worth trying. But in the last three years, he's stolen about 45 bases and only been caught like 15 times. So Pilar is an upgrade over Michael Reed, apparently, because that's who was designated for assignment to make room for Kevin Pillar. And one of the first points I want to make, if you've been listening to the show, you know I've been defending Michael Reed and Connor Joe and how you don't read into small sample sizes. And yes, you know, Michael Reed of the two, I would say, has looked more overwhelmed than Connor Joe. He's essentially striking out every time he goes to the plate. But I don't think that really has much to do with this trade. It's not like they fully believed in Michael Reed and then saw 10 plate appearances and decided they were wrong and then traded for someone else and then designated Reed for assignment. I think it's more a matter of it sounds like they were trying to acquire Kevin Pillar all offseason. The talk is that they started discussing him before the winter meetings and that it finally was able to come to fruition this morning. So to me, they probably still think that with enough plate appearances, Michael Reed would be an adequate player for them. But it sounds more like 
the plan all along was just to kind of go with Michael Reed temporarily while they continued to explore other options and specifically targeting Kevin Pillar, it seems. So according to Fangraph's War, Pillar has been worth two wins above replacement or more each of the last four seasons, 3.7 war in 2015 and then 2.4 in 2016, followed by two win seasons in 2017 and 2018. And he plays a lot. He's played 142 or more games each of the last four seasons. I know he missed some time last year with a like collarbone strain that he sustained on a uh, diving play. But he's he plays a lot. He has some pop. He has some stolen base potential. He doesn't strike out a ton. And he provides defensive value and base running value. And so I already saw a lot of reaction. Uh, again, I, I succumbed to going on Twitter when I saw that this trade had gone down. I had to get on Twitter, even though I've been very public about my dislike of Twitter for a lot of reasons. But a lot of the talk that I saw right away was that he doesn't fit the Zaidi mold of strikeout to walk ratio and this is another thing that we've been critical of the the narrative that the only players Farhan Zaidi likes are people who have good strikeout to walk ratios I don't think that is at all the case the thing that Farhan Zaidi likes is players who provide good value players who are talented in one way or the other that that makes them a, a quality major league player for hitters one of the best way to provide offensive value is to not strike out a lot and to walk a lot that's for sure. But at the same time, if you're a really good defensive player, a really good base runner, uh, or someone who can handle left-handed pitching well and play some center field and play some corner outfield, they determined that was of value to them. So I'm not like shocked by the fact that he doesn't have a great strikeout to walk ratio. And the projections for Pilar, according to Zips and Steamer, which are two projection systems used by Fangraphs have Pilar at approximately a two-win player in 2019. So that is, it's hard to argue that Michael Reed was like clearly a two wins above replacement type of player. Two wins above replacement is like roughly average for a major league level player. And you might think zero would be average, but zero is the average for the replacement level type player, but two wins is is kind of the average for a regular player in MLB. So it's not immediately clear what the role will be for Kevin Pillar. And at first I was thinking that he would platoon with Gerardo Parra, who struggles against left-handed pitching, but is decent against right-handed pitching, whereas Pilar is decent against left-handed pitching and struggles against right-handed pitching. But now that I think about it, there's a decent chance that Bochi might put Kevin Pillar out there pretty much every single day and have a platoon with Connor Joe and Gerardo Parra. And that actually might make more sense, especially until Connor Joe can prove that he, you know, what he is, which I still think we don't know. He had a couple more nice swings yesterday and he he put a ball in play that was hit a hundred miles an hour or so that went right to somebody. But Again, we don't really know who he is, and there's a decent chance, just like with Michael Reed, that they have alternatives, and they're just kind of going with him for now because they think that he's good enough to to be on the roster for now, but yet they want to upgrade. That That's certainly possible. My whole point has been they're not making their evaluations based on like the three games that we've seen. And yes, I mean, you you are concerned when a guy strikes out pretty much every single time up and looks overmatched. But I also think a big part of that is probably just pressure and nerves. And if you give a guy 
100 or 200 plate appearances, you're probably going to see a lot better at bats towards the end of that stretch. So one way or the other, I think the Giants are continuing to show that they are committed to having greater versatility, a greater bench, uh, you know, just having quality players at every single roster spot, whether it's on the 25 man or the 40 man. I think it's pretty obvious that Kevin Pillar improves the Giants in one way or another, given that he, you know, projects to be at least an average major league starting level player. So coming up on the next segment, we're going to talk about last night's four to two win over the Dodgers. We're going to talk about Drew Pomeranz and what we saw out of him. We're also going to talk about the offense, the improved depth and versatility of the Giants and the bullpen. Remember to get Locked On Giants Baseball, you can subscribe on the brand new podcast app Himalaya. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Go to your app store and download Himalaya and subscribe to Locked On Giants Baseball. So all of that is coming up in the next segment. But first, we talk about baseball performance all the time on this show. But what about performance in the bedroom? That's right. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same active FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. They can be taken anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Yes, I actually know someone who has tried this product and they have extremely positive things to report about its effectiveness. The best part about Blue Chew is that it's prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no more visit to the doctor's office, waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness around this topic. Blue Chew is made in the United States and prepares and shipped direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit www.bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's it. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, and try it. It's free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, so as promised, we're going to talk about last night's 4-2 to win over the Dodgers, and I think there are a few things to discuss here. First of all, Drew Pomeranz, who was signed by the Giants by Farhan Zaidi in the offseason, pitched very well. And I know he gave up a couple of solo homers in the fifth inning, but for the most part, he was commanding the strike zone and he was throwing with greater velocity than we've seen out of Drew Pomeranz in recent seasons. Last year, especially his fastball velocity was down around like 89 miles an hour. And uh, yesterday it was averaging about 92 and even reached up to 95. So that is a good sign for a guy who had been really good for like four years before 2018, which was a disaster of a season for Pomeranz. So if the Giants can get him to rebound, that would be a big development. I don't know if the plan would be to trade him at the deadline and try to get something interesting in return. Uh, MLB has kind of shown that you simply don't get a lot in return for rental players, a rental meaning a guy like Pomeranz who's only signed to a one-year deal. So the acquiring team would only get that player for like two months and potentially the postseason as well. But I like the fact that they bought low on a guy like Pomeranz and that's what they've done with other guys as well. Like Jan Hervas Solarte has been a very useful MLB player except last season was just absolutely dreadful. But if you look beyond 
last season, he was actually pretty good. And so I think we've seen that already, what Solarte brings to the table. He brings a lot of energy. He's a threat offensively, maybe kind of a liability defensively, but he's a 20 home run type threat off the bench. The other keys to this game were the fact that Brandon Belt finally got it going. He had a couple of huge hits. He hit a home run off of Joe Kelly. And then later in the seventh inning, he hit a huge two out, two run double to give the Giants the four to two lead that would be the final score. So that's just another point about, you know, everybody was being critical of the Giants offense and critical of Belt and pretty much everybody on the team. But then one game can happen where they turn it around and then everybody's feeling a lot better about things. So overall, I continue to have full confidence in the process being put in place by Farhan Zaidi. And also of note, and this is kind of random and probably a bigger topic for discussion, but there was a really good article in The Athletic about Rob Dean, who is going to is going to be taking over Larry Bear's role as control person, at least for the period of time that Bear is suspended. And in that article, they, they, there's quotes from Dean who is saying that he is 100% fully on board with Farhan Zaidi. He totally loves what he was able to do with the A's and the Dodgers. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he believes in the process and has full faith and confidence in Farhan Zaidi. So that was really good to see one of our first episodes when we talked about the suspension of Larry Bear. We mentioned that it was a concern that we didn't know who was going to be taking over and what their opinion would be about someone like Farhan Zaidi. But Dean was apparently the second guy after Bear to interview Farhan Zaidi and trust him fully based on what he said. So that is good because, you know, a lot of people were ready to like jump ship on Farhan Zaidi after one game and seeing what the outfield situation was. And one of my thoughts that I never expressed on the show was like, just because opening day came and went doesn't mean like the roster on opening day might not be the roster in a week, might not be the roster in a month and definitely won't be the roster in a year. So I don't think it's a, it was too soon to judge the players and B it's too, too soon to judge who the players are, like which players are on the team. Because as we saw a week goes by and they make a trade. And I still think it's highly likely at some point that a bullpen arm gets traded and it could very well be for another outfielder because the Giants have a ton of depth in the bullpen. Bullpen was really strong again last night. And so, yeah, we can't really judge right now and they they could very well make more in-season moves. So let's just calm ourselves on judging Farhan Zaidi. This is, he has a five-year contract. Let's, you know, continue to have patience. I think he absolutely deserves that based on his track record. So coming up tonight, the Giants will be playing the Dodgers again with Madison Bumgarner on the mound and Hyunjin Ryu starting for the Dodgers. will be interesting to see what the lineup is. Last night, they stacked up a bunch of lefties against the lefty Urias, who was dominant, by the way, and only 22 years old. So look forward to plenty of more opportunities to be dominated by Julio Urias in the future. But interestingly, you know, Bochi apparently said, and, and I looked and he's right, that Urias actually in his brief career has been far worse against left-handed batters. So maybe that was actually suggested by Zaidi to load up on the lefties. And Ryu tonight, same thing. He's been worse against lefties. So we'll see what the lineup looks like. We'll have a show for you again tomorrow on Wednesday. And uh, can't wait to talk about it. Can't wait to be with you again. These are daily, Monday through Friday, approximately 15-minute episodes 
covering the San Francisco Giants in a way that's modern, data-driven, and insightful, and hopefully easy for everyone to understand. Remember, you can subscribe to Locked on Giants on the brand new podcast app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also get in your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Giants Baseball. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. You can follow me on Twitter at Cove underscore cast. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. We'll have another game to talk about. It's going to be fun. And until then, we'll see you next time. (laughs) 